Hello and welcome to The Bigger Picture, a podcast where we tell the stories that matter. I'm your host this week, Stephen Perkins. On Monday, Americans celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a national holiday established in 1983 by President Reagan. It's when we're reminded about Dr. King's work leading the pivotal civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s and the unique legacy as a nonviolent leader who faced insurmountable challenges in the process. I often think of Dr. King and what he would think of today's political climate, better yet, how he would challenge us to behave in today's political climate. He wasn't always liked by his fellow civil rights leaders, and his insistence of nonviolent demonstrations eventually led younger civil rights leaders to break out in violent protest. It was King himself who said, quote, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. If only one word could be used to describe his personality as a civil rights leader and a person, it would be persistent. In the middle of the 1950s, the fight for and against freedom for African Americans was intensifying. By 1955, King had joined in and began leading the Montgomery bus boycotts. In 1958, the Bethel Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama was bombed by the KKK, killing four little girls. That same year, the integration of public schools was a hot topic, even though it was four years after the Brown versus Board of Education ruling. At the same time, King's profile was beginning to rise as well. In an early assassination attempt, King was stabbed with a letter opener during a book signing event in Harlem by Azola Curry, a mentally ill woman. While this was an early attack on King, it wasn't about to be the only. Throughout his career, King and other civil rights organizers were intimidated and even violently attacked. King's own home was bombed, bricks were thrown through his windows, and his wife and children's lives were threatened. These things took a toll on someone like King, who knew he had to be protected. At multiple points in his life, armed groups of his supporters would guard his home and his family. King, however, wanted to be able to protect himself, at least in the early days. He applied in 1958 for a concealed carry permit in the state of Alabama, according to the Huffington Post. Adam Winkler. We know that King did keep guns in his possession just in case, but he wasn't known to carry one. That's because, as Winkler reveals, his application for that permit was denied. At the time, Alabama allowed the local police to determine if a person was qualified to obtain a carry permit. As you can imagine, despite King's exemplary record as a minister and emerging civil rights organizer, the police deemed him unfit and unworthy. King knew he couldn't rely on the police to protect him in an emergency, and they refused to allow him to protect himself. His activism in speaking out to them was a clear threat. To be fair, by the 1960s, King did fully embrace his signature idea of nonviolent activism and actually gave up his arsenal, or at least that's what we know. His supporters, however, did not, and continued to obtain weapons in the interest of protecting him and other leaders. While that may have been one of King's first challenges with the government, it wasn't his only one. And as his work 
expanded and his influence grew. So did the FBI's interest in him. By the 1960s, the FBI had built a fairly comprehensive research file on him. It started just shortly after the Montgomery bus boycotts. The Mobile, Alabama FBI team began surveilling King with the hopes of building a strong research file. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover tried with every resource he had to tie King to the Communist Party or to reveal some other kind of dirt. He did this through the FBI's Cointelepro, or Counterintelligence Program, which surveilled infiltrated and undermined political figures and organizations that the government deemed threatening. Later, Attorney General Robert Kennedy ordered King's phones to be wiretapped. Yes, the brother of John F. Kennedy, the supposed supporter of King and ally of the Civil Rights Movement. More on that later. By 1963, the FBI was describing King as, quote, the most dangerous and effective Negro leader in the country. The remarkable thing about the government's surveillance of King is that it failed to produce the results they were looking for. They didn't find any suggestions that King was a communist, they didn't find any indication that he was a Marxist, and they couldn't find information about his moral or professional wrongdoings. What they found instead was a focused and reflective man who was working hard to advance freedom for a people in pain. In 1964, an anonymous letter, which was later revealed to come from the FBI, was sent to King, suggesting to King that his time was coming to an end. It has been dubbed the suicide letter because of its subtle suggestion that King should take his own life to spare exposure and embarrassment. King knew the letter was suspicious, and he correctly theorized that it did come from the FBI. The FBI's actions serve as an embarrassment to the organization to this day. Former FBI Director James Coney said that he kept the letter in which Kennedy approved the wiretapping on his desk to remind him of that unfortunate decision. In addition to King's challenges with government's intelligence and justice agencies, he also faced a hard time advancing his agenda on the legislative front, specifically King had a challenging relationship with President Kennedy, who wanted to support the civil rights movement, but was often warned against going too far for fear of losing Southern votes. As you'll remember, at this time, the South was controlled by Democrats, and the last thing they wanted was to have a president cozying up to civil rights leaders that they considered unworthy of respect. Kennedy believed that equality for African Americans would happen over time, but he had to be careful about pushing the envelope forward too quickly. King was not the biggest fan of slow progress, and in 1962 pushed the president to speak out against segregation more frequently. It wasn't until 1963, the year Kennedy would be shot and killed in Dallas, that his administration developed the Civil Rights Act, which among a number of things extended the right to vote to educated African Americans. But even with such a monumental piece of legislation helping make Kennedy more comfortable with the idea of advancing civil rights, he kept his distance from MLK. The turning point came in the summer of that year when King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech in Washington, D.C. In it, he spoke on his vision for a more harm in it, he spoke on his vision for a more harmonious America that is helped, not hurt, by its diversity. After that speech, the Kennedy administration became more comfortable. Kennedy himself met with civil rights leaders, including King, 
in the Oval Office. And after Kennedy's death, Johnson was able to maneuver the Civil Rights Act through Congress as an honor to Kennedy, as an honor to Kennedy's legacy. It was a less than ideal process, but it happened. And it is to be credited again in part to King's persistence and determination in the face of challenge. King is one of my favorite leaders of all time, not just because he led a noble fight for freedom and equality, but because he had the backbone and body armor of a fighter. He knew that circumstances would not always go his way. Furthermore, he knew that there were much more powerful and dangerous forces at play working directly against him and his campaigns. But those things didn't bother him, at least not to the point that he publicly gave up. In the face of death threats, bombings, stabbings, government wiretaps, surveillance, arrest, and much more, King rose above the fray and advocated for the delivery of the promise described in our founding documents that all men are created equal. We look to King's legacy not just as a reminder of our past, but an evergreen and timeless blueprint for our future. Persistence in the face of challenge, nonviolence in the face of chaos and intimidation, and a resounding command over an ambitious but much-needed vision, despite a world where progress only goes as fast as we push it to. We should all be thankful for the legacy and lessons of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. 